As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What is up? It is your boy Johnny Mags back at you once again for another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am joined as always with Dan Garcia and a pretty good week in Angels baseball so far. Uh, we finished the week over 500 podcast to podcast. We recorded last Thursday. It's Thursday today and the Angels finished with a decent or above 500. Uh, it helped that we played the San Diego Padres, but you got to beat those teams to, you know, you got to beat the team's. Uh, that are lower than you, and that's what they did. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I mean, one of the big things they have to do, any good team is going to beat the teams that are struggling uh, on bottom of their division. You know, those teams, they need to win three out of four, or in this case, they won uh, a three-game sweep. So, yeah, good teams definitely beat up on the, on the lower-end teams, especially teams like the Padres where um, – they're not really worried about winning right now. They're more worried about winning in the future. And if you look at their farm system, mm-hmm. uh, they are coming. Whether it's next year or, or 2020, they are they are coming for uh, for a big part of that uh, uh, NL West. I guess you know I, the Angels are in a in between kind of deal where we feel as Angel fans that they should be better, but they're right there, kind of hovering around the 500 mark and just a little bit over. And you know the the thing with the Padres is that they're they're you know, pretty far down in the standings right now. But the bright side is, like you said, these young guys playing. And you look at that team, and you look at all the guys, and, you know, you can tell that these are all guys that came up to the system, like Jankowski. And, and you know, I don't know if Renfro was a part of that, uh, you know, minor league system. But, you know, all these guys that they have around playing right now are, are guys that, you know, the Lake Elsinore Storm fans were probably watching two, three years ago. And that's pretty cool to watch as a fan, guys that – you know, you see down in the minors finally make it up to the big leagues and get a chance. And we're seeing that now as Angels fans. We're kind of seeing guys kind of being called up, and we're kind of getting a taste of the farm system, right? Yeah, it's always good to see. Um, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but seeing guys that are working their way through the system and then eventually get up to the major leagues that um, it's a little different what the Angels are used to. They're used to yeah. trading all their prospects out and, and trying to get these players or um, that don't contribute or don't contribute to the scale um, they thought they were going to, but uh, to see the the growing um, uh, depth in the in the organization is definitely fun to see. And I think if you listen to last week's podcast, you definitely heard um, some good uh, information from a uh, uh, Tyler Ward, Blake Ward, Tyler Blake Ty- Ward. Yeah, so um, definitely, definitely good. Good to see. Um, definitely good to see that the organization is getting a lot more depth behind it. For sure. So let's get into it. Weekend review, as we always do. Um, did I? You know, I don't know. They played on. Did they play on Thursday, or they had the day off on Thursday, right? Yeah, it was off day. Yeah. So I was just making sure. I wasn't sure. I have my notes here, but I was like, God, they had a. I don't have Thursday down. So they had Thursday off, but they played Friday and they started a series against the Oakland A's. And now this was a series that you know, it's the Oakland A's. They've been rather hot in the last two months. 
they're catching up to the Houston Astros for the actual the division there. They're within like two games from the Astros right now. But on Friday was Vladimir Guerrero bobblehead night slash ceremony day. Uh, Daniel, you were there. I wasn't there. Talk about real quick the the, the ceremony. Were you there for the ceremony and, and the atmosphere around the stadium? Yeah, we got there fairly early to make sure we saw all the uh, festivities and everything that's going on. So I guess the number one thing that really stood out to me before Vlad himself actually took the podium was they had a video. And if you went to the game, you definitely know what I'm talking about, a Hall of Fame video where they had a lot of Hall of Famers on there talking about kind of what the sport meant to them and, and just they showed old clips. They, they had interviews with, I mean – you're talking about Willie Mays, uh, Greg Maddox. I, I mean, anyone and everybody that was on there, Ken Giffrey Jr. Um, so from that aspect, it was it was really cool just to see all these um, old players talk about why they fell in love with the game. Um, old video clips of, you know, the Mays catch, the Griffey catch, like all these, um, the Fisk home run, all these old school uh, videos and, and plays that you've seen as a kid now put together in a great, great video. It was it was awesome. That was probably the number one thing that stuck out that stood out to me. I don't know. Um, like you said, I was there, so I don't know if that was something they aired also on um, Fox Sports West before the game or not. But if, if they didn't, I don't know if it's on YouTube. I definitely suggest trying to find it if they did because it was really, really good. Um, now, as far as the actual Vlad. Um, you know, present, presentation, if you will, with with the Hall of Fame plaque. They had all the other Angel Hall of Famers there. So you had, like, the Chuck Finleys and Garrett Anderson. They, they were all there. Um, Vlad came out. And surprising to me, because you know as much as anybody, that Vlad doesn't do a lot of public speaking. He I don't know if he does any real public speaking at all in English. Um, but he came out by himself, took the podium, man of very few words. Um, it almost looked like he knew exactly what to say as far as um, how to get the reaction out of the crowd. Um, he would say, you know, thank you, but then he'd make sure he put the emphasis on Anaheim. And then that's when everyone, uh, I guess you would call it in wrestling term, popped. Yeah. And, um, Good one. And, Good and, job. And, and it went, and it, people got, went crazy for it. So the fact that he was out there and he was trying to talk in his language that you know he's not comfortable at all doing, because even when he got into the Hall of Fame, Jose Moda, uh, guest on the on the All Angels podcast was there um, translating for him, and and, and he wasn't there uh, at the podium with him. And it's, it seems like something that Vlad wanted to do and actually speak his own words to the fans of Anaheim and show how much it meant to him. So um, with that, I, I think the ceremony went great. They presented him with a plaque, or they showed him the plaque. They uh, Vlad gave uh, Artie Moreno the the jersey, his jersey. Um, Vlad threw out the first pitch to Artie. Um, so, you know, if, all in all, it was a really cool opening opening ceremony, if you will, um, before the game. The game started off a little later uh, than normal, so that was kind of somewhat to get used to because the game kind of drug on. But, um, you know, it, it was cool to see him out there with all the other Angel uh, greats, and the video was awesome. Him taking the podium, even if it only was for about five minutes or so, was great seeing him out there. I thought it was cool that he actually tried to speak English. And 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 kind of just let the people know, like, look, this is my appreciation because uh, he doesn't even speak in Spanish. Like, he doesn't even want to talk in Spanish. That's how hard it is for him to get in front of a microphone. So, um, I saw it on TV. It was pretty cool. I wish I could have been there. Really wish I could have been there, but it just didn't happen. But thanks to Chris Security Johnson, I got my Vlad bobblehead. So, thank you, Chris. Um, about the actual game, the Angels actually won this game four to three behind Felix Pena going five and two thirds of an inning. Giving up five hits, three earned, run, three earned runs, no walks. I love it when a guy 
just doesn't walk people. That's awesome. Bullpen went the rest of the way, three and a thirds of scoreless baseball. We've talked about how the bullpen kind of gets kind of talked upon negatively, but they've been doing a great job. And we'll get more into the bullpen as we review the week. The bullpen did a great job in this game, uh, not allowing a run after Pena came out. The Angels fell behind early, two home runs in the first inning, and all three A's runs came in that first inning. Calhoun stays hot with a home run in the third, a two-run shot. Then a two-run shot, shot for Upton in the sixth, put the Angels ahead for good. All the runs in this game came off home runs. Yeah, in today's day and age of baseball, that's kind of what you expect. Um, not a lot of moving the guys around and going, you know, you still see going first to third every once in a while, but... Um, in this era of baseball, it's definitely the long ball, and, and Calhoun and Upton both are hot at the right time. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but with the Trout's absence, uh, these two guys are definitely the main guys that you look for to pick up the offensive slack. Um, what I really enjoyed was, like you said, Felix Pena, uh, five and two-thirds, rough, rough first inning. Uh, but but the, the fact that he was able to bounce back and be able to, um, you know, not give up any more runs for the rest of the night showed um, – Great composure, uh, so uh, you know a good win from a hard, uh, hot, hot team in the Oakland A's, um, and a, on a good night too. It was also a, a good night to do with all the festivities and uh, people taking pictures with the Hall of Fame plaque and everything like that. Definitely a night that uh, makes it a little more special when they went on a night like did that. Did you get a picture with the plaque? I did not. How I, big was the line? I didn't even go look. No? Tell you the okay. truth. Yeah, I, I'm one of those guys that oh that's cool, but. If the game's going on, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm with you there. I don't, I don't. Once I sit down, like it's rare for me to go anywhere. I like I eat before the game. I try to get all my food before the game. If I have to go use the restroom, I go real quick. I'll try to catch, you know, go to the concession stands, kind of man middle of the third when the angels aren't batting. That's, real that's, quick, why, like that's that. why I said my fiance. She's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, okay, uh, cool. if you're gonna go, can you pick me up this? Yeah, yeah. So. Here you go. Here's yeah. my order. And, it, and it's always good, too, when you have the people in front of you that are standing up the whole time during the game, too. Yeah, right, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> For you guys that don't know, Chris literally bought the tickets in front of me without even knowing where I was sitting. And it was kind of this weird. pure coincidence. All of a sudden, I see him walk down the aisle. I'm like, wait, is that Chris? And his wife was there, too. And it's just pure coincidence. They got the two seats right in front of us. Crazy, crazy. So moving on to Saturday's game, a whole different story here. The, the offense just didn't show up. Uh, Edwin, I didn't know Edwin Jackson was a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Wow. He shut the Halos down, seven and a third, three hits, no runs, six Ks. Tough outing for Tyler Skaggs, three and a thirds, ten hits, seven runs. We find out later he went back on the disabled list. It's that dan- it's like a, 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 what is it, a strained abdominal muscle yeah, or something like that? It's something that he said that he felt it was his worst outing in his career. Like you said, three, three and a third, seven earned runs. Um, you know, it's hard to come back when you're down that quickly. It, yeah, I mean, it's right away. It's, it's one thing to give up three runs in the first, but when you're up, when you're down seven, and we've said it before, this uh, A's offense, when they get going, they can go really quickly because they're definitely an offensive uh, power when it comes to uh, hitting the ball, uh, hitting home runs. Um, but yeah, only five hits from the offense. Struggled all night, um, but a little bit of history did happen that night. Um, uh, Francisco Arcia made an appearance, but not the way you would uh, expect. Yeah, the first pitcher since June seventeenth, nineteen ninety three, to make a, a position player to make a pitching appearance as an angel. As an angel, um, that's one of the things with Sosha that he's never done. No matter how lopsided the score is, one way or the other, he has not ever really been in favor of a position player. 
um, throwing any an inning, two thirds of an inning, nothing. But I, you know, you kind of maybe think, uh, oh, being down seven runs in the ninth inning, your bullpen for the whole year has been super taxed. Um, now you're up to, you know, uh, Felix Pena can give you some innings, but for the most part, I'll say you're you're up to two bullpen games a week now. Um, so any kind of innings, you know, Arcia can, I guess, eat up. You're going to try to do it. But, yeah, a little bit of history Saturday um, at Angel Stadium. Well, you know, to me, the big, other than Arcia, which was a part of this, was that the bullpen allowed no runs the rest of the way. So three and a thirds, Skaggs gave up all the runs. The bullpen came in and shut down the door. So big ups to the bullpen. I'll give them credit. I mean, I've, I've, I wouldn't say I've praised them all year, but I've given them the credit that they deserve. They have came in in situations where they've, you know, three, a guy goes three and a third, a guy goes four, a guy goes one, one third of an inning, and the bullpen comes in and does a great job. Move on to Sunday, and this was a back-and-forth game. I mean, the bullpen was – it was a bullpen game. Cole uh, Cole got the start, pitched one and a third, gave up three hits, three runs, and then it went like this. Alvarez came in, then Johnson, then Robles, then Paredes, then Jerez, and then Parker. Uh, the Angels fell behind 7-3. to three. The Angels rallied late, but, they, you know, they still fouled this game, losing the series two games to one. But, you know, you, I guess against the A's, you'll take a victory in a three-game set, right? Yeah, and like, kind of like what you were saying, the – the A's are on fire. You'll take anything you can get. Um, and then, again, Taylor Cole, a, a bullpen game, like we were talking about earlier, um, you know, he's only going to go one and one-third, which is fine, but you don't like the three runs given up um, by him in that short of a span. Um, but, you know, it's a seven to eight game, so obviously the offense showed up in this one, but just pitching-wise, I'm not a big fan of bullpen games. I understand why they need to happen. I understand that. It's kind of have to be all hands on deck at that point. But when you're having guys that um, aren't used to pitching until, you know, maybe the fifth or sixth inning or coming in the third or second, it, it definitely gets them out of the mindset. And you know as much as anybody, uh, baseball players are, are really creature of habits. And, oh, and, yeah. And if, sure. you, and if you kind of move that dinner plate three inches to the left, you know, it might not be the same. Um, but, again, uh, I guess a, a bright side is uh, Arcia home run. I guess hits a home run. Um, but – you know, just a tough game to lose, especially when you start off the series on Friday on a good, on a good roll and 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 holding them the three runs and then giving up uh, fourteen runs in the next two games or not fourteen, fifteen runs in the next two games is definitely not a way you want to spend a Saturday and Sunday. No, for sure. So they moved on from being at Anaheim Stadium or Angel Stadium of Anaheim to being at Petco Park for the first time in about six years. Wish I could have gone. I think we all wish we could have at least made it to one game. But man. With this series falling on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we all work. We all have jobs. I wake up at 4.30 in the morning every day, so wasn't going to be able to make it out there. I was going to try my hardest to do it, but I just couldn't do it. But anyway, uh, speaking about bullpen games, this wasn't a bullpen game because Andrew Heaney went seven and a third, giving up four hits, two runs, one walk, six Ks. It was a 2-1, 2-1 game heading into the eighth. The Padres uh, you know, took it to extras. They tied it in the, not- in the uh, eighth, I'm sorry. And then, uh, and then in the extra innings, the Angels opened it up uh, in the 10th. Cole Calhoun hit an RBI double. They probably should have been caught uh, between the center fielder and right fielder. Yeah, they had some issues up. the whole mm-hmm. series about communicating out there in the outfield. Uh, ball falls in. Ground rule double. Run scores. Angels took the lead. And then the next batter, Fletcher's uh, RBI squeeze bunt, perfectly laid down. 
Um, and then right up next pitch, up then hit a two run shot, putting the Angels up for good. Six yeah, that two. kind of put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, on that Hosmer one. hit a home run in the bottom of the tenth, but it was you know a solo shot. Angels ended up winning this game six to three, and you know you know they should have beaten beaten the Padres. You know, like we said, the Padres are almost. I think they're probably about twenty games under five hundred. Yeah, right they're now. somewhere around there. So. Moving on to Tuesday's game, the Angels again uh, another win. Uh, Angels took this game seven to three. I would have liked Jaime Barrera to go a little longer, but you know it looked like he was kind of struggling a bit. Although he did pitch five innings, six hits, one run, one walk, seven Ks. Yeah, um, and I don't know if you meant I don't know if you heard, but they did mention in the broadcast that that he has kind of been on a pitch count. Okay, that makes so, a lot of sense. You know, he's twenty one years old. The likelihood of the Angels making a serious run for a playoff position is, is getting kind of slimmer and slimmer as the weeks and days go on. So the fact that you're able to get him out there and not necessarily have to stretch him to, you know, a, a 105, 110 pitch count, you can keep it to about, you know, 80, 90 uh, pitches, I think is, is the best move the Angels can do right now with right. a young guy like that. Yeah, I, I would have liked for him, and he threw about 81 pitches, but, you, you know, you would have liked at least six. That would have been awesome. But, you know, like you said, save the arm. He's young. There's no need to push him. Upton stays hot uh, with driving in three runs, including a two-run home run. But the big news in this game was Tyler Ward making his Major League debut. Uh, this guy has been talked about a lot. We have a couple of email questions, so we'll kind of save our thoughts about Taylor Ward uh, for the email questions that we have. But he made his MLB debut, hit an RBI double in his first Major League at bat. First uh, hit as a Major League was an extra base hit, drove in a run, finished with two hits on the game. Um, so he contributed in his first game. Yeah, it's also good to see a guy come up and get his hit right away. Um, kind of eases the the pressure on you. You don't have to worry about when is the first hit going to come, let alone your first uh, extra base hit. Um, Taylor Ward is a guy that we saw at Inland Empire, Empire. Yep. Um, you know, a couple a couple years ago playing catcher. Now moved to, made the transition this year to third. So we'll see how that goes because even in the last couple games they have made defensive replacements towards the end of the games where um, Cozart comes third and he pulls out. Uh, comes out of the game so um great great uh you know if that's the way you wanted to, to come into a uh a major league debut two for three with an rbi or run um but like you said upton again hits another home run and, and stays hot for the angels yep so moving on to wednesday the angels you know behind felix pena take the win uh sweeping the padres in petco park felix pena pitched six innings two hits one one run uh it was unearned so he had no he gave up no earned runs he struck I- out seven I always think too, he's the reason why it was an error, an unearned run. Right. Shouldn't it still count as that's, an earned run because it is his fault? That's true. That's true. <laughs> it was a low scoring game. Uh, Rene Rivera comes back from the DL and hits a go ahead home run in the ninth to put the Angels up for good, three to two. I believe this is the best pitch game Pena has pitched so far. What do you think? Yeah, definitely the six runs, um, like our six six innings, the no earned runs, two one, hits, two hits, one run overall. Um, you know, if it wasn't for like like we said that one mis- throwing air to second base, um, where he had to do dead to rights, yeah, um, he it, it would have been probably a shutout for him. Um, but again, you know, six innings from a guy that you're not expecting to get a whole lot of depth out of. Um, if he goes five innings, you're happy. If he goes six, you're like, this is Christmas. So uh, the fact he was able to go six, no earned runs, they win the game three to two. But something I I that stood out to me in this game. And I posted about it on our uh, Halo Haven uh, fan fan page. San Diego Padres was the throwback unis from, I think oh, it was man. the 90s. Yeah. Um, ah, I would love to see. I have a cousin that lives down there, so I, I text her. I'm like, hey, is this, is this like just a random thing to do? 
um, at this game, or is it something they do all the time? And, and she texts back, she's like, yeah, they do it. They call it Way Back Wednesday, so every Wednesday home game they wear a throwback. Every Friday night they, they wear those yellow and uh, brown throwbacks that if you watched, if you remember the All-Star game when it was down there, yeah. the, the batting practice and the home run jerseys were kind of um, based off of that color scheme and, and, and design. So the fact that they're able to do it, I don't I just wish the Angels would be um, – more creative with with that kind of throwback uh, marketing they can make so much more i believe so much more money not only in in ticket sales but also in uh, merchandise, merchandise sales whether sure. it's selling the jersey selling the hats i mean you see them in the team store every once in a while but um but to see it on the field is makes it a totally different story where you're like wow those are nice those look nice on the field i won't go pick me up one now especially since the angels uniforms except for the periwinkle have been really classy uniforms like you know the 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 angel with the yellow halo over the top, the CA 93 to 96 uniform, classy uniforms that people to this day still want to wear, still want to see. So it just, this organization, the angels have just been kind of like synonymous with blah. Yeah. Synonymous with blah, where it's just like, let's just keep it traditional and we're going to wear what we wear. And that's it. I'm surprised they wear red jerseys and they overdo it with that, you know? Yeah. That's something. Um, But you know, a change here and there, like you said, maybe a throwback or something. We've talked about this before on the show, but Man, they just—I don't know. Some, they, I would love for them to uh, we, to go. We that got way. a we got a text, not text, sorry, uh, a tweet from a loyal listener, Duncan Healy. He has an email later in the show, but this hap- he tweeted this, uh, I believe, at the beginning of the series. Um, again, if you want to reach out to us, it's Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and on Instagram. But uh, his tweet was. Angels, uh, Angels playing the Padres this week would love to go to Petco in San Diego and watch the Halos play. Halo Haven, I have never been to Petco. Have any of you been? San Diego is a great, is great. So I'm sure Petco is just as beautiful in person as on TV. Um, I have, but I'll wait to tell that story until. Uh, have you been to Petco? Oh yeah, dude, I've I've been to Petco plenty of times, as you all know. And I know you guys hate the guy, but I'm friends with Luis Valbuena, and uh, when he was with the <laughs> when he was with the Cubs. When he was with the Cubs, uh, he hooked us up with uh, with uh, passes to go into the dugout, Aaron, into, into the uh, clubhouse. So I got to meet all the Cubs at the time, all the Padres back in the day. And um, so I had a like behind-the-scenes tour of Petco. I got a tour of Petco. But I've been there plenty of times because I have family in Escondido, California, and they're big-time Padres fans. And um, I've been to Petco Park probably maybe a – about 15 to 20 games already. So, and I think it's a beautiful park. Anywhere you sit is beautiful. It's right in downtown in Gaslamp. The parking kind of sucks. You kind of have it's to. It's expensive. Yeah, you have to park where you would park for Gaslamp. You have right. To you almost like got all day pass. You, yeah, you almost got to, you know, it's almost beneficial if you stay at one of those hotels yeah, down and there then and walk then or walk Uber. or whatever. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, like you said, I've been there once. Um, our, our family tradition is that we go to Mother's every Mother's Day if there's an Angel game, we go to an Angel game. Um, one year, yeah, Angels were out of town on Mother's Day. I have an aunt, like I said earlier, a cousin that lived down in San Diego. So instead of you know just not going to the game at all, we made a trip down to San Diego, and that was my first um, trip to Petco Park. I've been to the old Qualcomm uh, handful yeah. of times. I kind of remember, yeah, I've been there but a bunch of times. Um, it's an like you said, awesome. 
right on the water, beautiful views mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, really, really nice ballpark. Love how the outfield is so wide open, almost right. like you know, like like you're at a park. I, and um, I like the way they they make it look old and new at the same time. Right, they got the, the, the Tony Gwynn statue yeah. out there. That's awesome. That that um, like park in the back. Right, yeah. they have like a little sand area too for the kids, so it's really family friendly. Um, super open. Like you go to Angel Stadium, and sometimes when you're walking through concessions, it feels kind of closed off. Yeah. Whatever. Um, you walk through concessions there, everything's wide open. You can still see the game where you're wherever you're at. Um, yeah, it, it, for baseball fans, even if the Angels aren't there and the Angels are out of town for a week or a weekend, I definitely suggest taking oh, a trip down sure. to San Diego and just you for know, sure. even if they don't, even if they're not even playing anyone important, if it's a yeah, the Reds, yeah, if it's a San Diego, you know, Padre Reds game or San Diego Padres um, Mets game or whatever, uh, I definitely suggest everyone should at least go down there once. Um, I want to try to go down there once once a year, but um, yeah, definitely one of the better uh, stadiums that I've been to. Uh, Personally, for sure, for sure, great, great, great ballpark. Um, so the Angels finished the week uh, from podcast to podcast, four and two. Uh, currently, sixty-two and sixty. They're playing right now in Texas as we are recording. They started up a series there in Arlington. Um, you know, I guess the Angels right now. I guess they are playing to just stay competitive right now. Um, realistically speaking, we we're not in the playoff picture, but mathematically, we are. But it's one of those deals where you got to be realistic and look at the teams ahead of you, and you have to you have to hope that three teams in front of you are going to lose while you're winning, and that's that's always a tough. Yeah, bet. coming coming into the coming into today, um, division the Angels are back twelve and a half, wild card the Angels are back ten and a half. So again, um, it'd be nice to get those down to single digits. And I guess you really can't really start taking it seriously, or at least I really wouldn't start taking it seriously if somehow they got either one of those down to about five games. Yeah. yeah. If they can cut down the five games with, you know, maybe a couple games to go. Yeah. With other than say like a couple weeks left, mm-hmm. then you can start being like, okay, let's see what they, what kind of momentum they can chance. get. Yeah. But if, if they're kind of just floating around this 10 to 13 game back in a, in a lot of the categories. So, um, again, you know, they went. Uh, four and two this week, so I guess they're going the right way, and they're sixty-two and sixty overall, so they're above five hundred. But unless something crazy happens, the A's are on fire, and like you said, they're almost winning the division. Astros have fallen back because of all the injuries they've had. Um, you still have the Mariners. The Mariners you still have the Rays. are still are, scuffling a little bit, um, but yeah. So you have a couple teams that are um, in front of you that aren't losing. Uh, nearly as much as you would like. Yeah. So yeah. Um, if you can get, you know, within five games going into that last maybe half a month, then you can make it a little bit interesting. Yeah. But until then, it's kind of, you know, let's just play to be competitive and, and see what happens. Yeah, so a little bit of news, a little bit of movement. We talked about Rene Rivera coming off the disabled list and are immediately making an impact. The Angels had to make a move. They sent uh, Jose Bersenio down to AAA. Uh, you know, I, a guy like Rene Rivera – is a guy that you want if you're if he's on your team you want him on the on the big league roster because it's like the guy can catch uh, he's been a great catcher he has some pop as you saw yesterday first game back it's a home run um, so somebody had it been sent down and I don't think they were going to send Arcia down because Arcia is just kind of you know every time he contributes at Angel Stadium so well lot, I mean that too and, and Arcia is left handed yeah you so you have need, a lefty bat lefty bat you still need a, yeah you still need mm-hmm. some more lefties because right now Otani and um, well, EY switched, but he's not yeah. an off- offensive guy. But Otani and, and Calhoun are your only real yeah. offensive uh, threats left-handed wise. Also, other moves within the organization. A guy that uh, Dan had a uh, privilege to interview, Patrick Sandoval, got moved from uh, Class A Inland Empire to Double A um, uh, Mobile. 
Uh, Patrick Sandoval has been pitching great, and he's a guy that we picked up in that Martin Maldonado trade. You yeah, know? it's good to see a guy like that. Um, he was already kind of like a high A, like on that cusp when he came. And then he's pitched three games with Inland Empire, all three games. Uh, I know one game he went four innings, the other two I think he went four and two-thirds, but all three of them he didn't give up any runs. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> the fact that they're able to you know, put him up a double-A probably for the rest of this year, I know they have like about a, probably less than a month now, a month and a half, or not a month and a half, uh, yeah, I think maybe about a month if their schedule is the same way as 66ers. But yeah. um, him, he'll probably be able to get two or three starts down there. Um, you know, it would be great to see him in spring training and see how he develops because he was a guy that Angels are looking forward to as um, maybe not being that top-end guy, but definitely being a four-to-five starter type of guy. And if he can develop and uh, continue doing what he and, and, and improving, it would be nice to see him and, and know that Martin, the Martin Maldonado trade was, wasn't for nothing. It was, yeah. you know, they got something that's, that's really going to contribute in the future for yeah, it's it. Yeah, always a plus. Uh, speaking about trades that happened, the Angels, you know, they traded away Kinsler for two guys, and we've already seen Jerez in the, you know, playing some games. The Angels uh, called up the other person in this trade, Buttry, got called up to the major league roster, kind of. And, and you know, with all these moves, in, I think uh, Robles Hansel is on the ten day DL now, so they called up Buttry. It's going to be interesting to see this guy pitch because I guess he throws harder than Jerez, right? I think he's the one that throws a little harder. Yeah, he throws a little bit harder. Um, Right-hander. He, he's supposed to be – He's and again, we're recording this Thursday evening, so the game is going on as we're recording. And I think he's already come in. I'm not sure uh, about a stat line or anything like that, but I think he has come in. Um, but, again, these young arms that these guys – that these the Angels are getting for the trades for guys that are going to walk away at the end of the year anyways um, shows the – kind of i guess switch over to importance of young talent um not only the angels organization but kind of in every organization you don't see a lot of uh 32 31 year olds getting these huge huge contracts like they used to a lot of the teams now are going after um young controllable talent and it seems like the angels have two relievers that they can definitely use for uh years to come yep and another another move uh, that's big news to us because we as you guys know we had halo haven i didn't Inland Empire 66ers on Saturday. We had a blast. We had the rally bus out there. We had a bunch of people show up, and we were able to give out a bunch of you know giveaways and swag. So big, big, uh, big ups to the 66ers. Thanks to Eris uh, over there at uh, Inland Empire, and also Joe Hudson, the general manager, for just opening the doors for us and letting us park the bus right there inside the stadium. So and thank you to everyone. Who Almost came got hit with two foul balls. Were that close? Dan caught. Dan got one. He it was, on, it was on the bounce, but yeah, but yeah, you got it. So yeah, no, he, I gave it to a kid. No, he grabbed it, it from a kid. It took, and I gave it to my niece. And he so gave it what? to his niece. Yeah. yeah so what? No. Sue me. Um, uh, Tory Hunter Jr. has been called up to Inland Empire 66ers. It's kind of something we've kind of been waiting for. We 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 were talking about Tory Hunter Jr. last season. We we're like, oh, he's probably not going to be in Inland Empire this year because he's still very young, kind of raw. But he's going to be on Inland Empire uh, for the remaining what, maybe three weeks of the season. So I can't wait to get out there. Hopefully, maybe we can get some kind of interview with yeah, him. Yeah, we're so. looking at not this Sunday, but next Sunday, possibly getting out there and checking it out and trying to get an interview with him. But, yeah, again, a guy that, um, because of his name, is, is a real uh, crowd favorite. And and I'll be interested to talk to him and see how he's been able to manage that expectation. Because yeah. that comes with his name and his dad being who he is. And, right. Um, he started off the season going uh, like doing really, really well, and then he kind of hit a slump for a while, and now he's starting to kind of pick up a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think the Angels um, 
seeing this uptick a little bit, wanted to kind of test his um, his ability and, and put him up to the next level and see how he does for the remainder of the season and yeah. you know see what happens going into next year if he starts back down there again or maybe he starts again the season next year in an empire. But um, definitely a, a good name to see out there and hopefully that draws some of the uh, crowd out there to, to see him play and stuff like that when they come back into town next week. For sure. We got to get Jason Hendricks out there with us to interview Torrey Hunter Jr. because big Notre Dame. Uh, fan, obviously, Dose Leprechauns podcast. You guys check them out at Dose Leprechauns. Um, other news, too, you know, we have been talking about Mike Trout's been on the DL, but he left due to family problems. And um, Halo Honks went crazy and conspiracy theories about he's taking time off because he's going to contemplate his future with the Angels and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And he left because something's wrong here, guys. He doesn't want to be an angel anymore. And the whole time I was saying maybe he left because he has personal problems or there's a personal thing going on. Maybe it's a family thing. And we did find out that on Wednesday, Mike Trout's brother-in-law and former Angels farmhand Aaron Cox uh, passed away on Wednesday. Uh, Aaron was the member of the Inland Empire 66ers this year, pitching a few games. The last game that he pitched was on May 29th. Um, and then about nine days ago or ten days ago, retired stepped away from the game and then uh, passed away on Wednesday. So that was uh that kind of cleared up the news about Mike Trout being away from the team. Yeah, I mean it's 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 never easy when a player especially of that caliber is gone from the team for what they call personal reasons and then everyone starts speculating, everyone thinks they know why he's gone and stuff like that, but for the news to come out and, and hear that it was a definitely a, a death in the family, it's hard to hear and and uh, our thoughts and prayers are out with the uh, you know the Trout family and then Eric Cox, Aaron Cox's family. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something that um, it sucks to hear and it sucks to see. You know, but um, at least your people are now able to know why he's gone. And, and you know, there's no word on when he's going to come back. This is something that you just don't rush back. Yeah, from. yeah. So um, I'm sure they got services coming up and all right, that stuff. Right. So, so exactly. So I'm sure. Um, whenever he comes back, it's going to be on his timetable, and, and I'm sure the Angels and I'm sure the fans are, are perfectly okay with that. Absolutely. Um, something like this doesn't necessarily happen. It's not a— There's no rush. The right. Angels aren't two games behind the wild card right now, you know. And uh, right. and, 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 and even, too, you know, because it all comes with us. You know, we always like to talk about baseball, and even with him being gone, the Angels are still 8-6 and six overall since, his, since the DL— um, so again, like you said, there's no rush. He could take his time and come back when he's when he's re- when he's ready. And then if anyone has seen that the the um, the E60 interview, I still haven't seen story that story that they did on on Trout. Crazy. You can definitely tell that he is definitely a a family family first kind of guy. I mean, you're talking about his superstition is always texting his mom before the game. You know, so for a family Aww, death like that to so, happen, you know, so sweet that. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to take him a while to get back, and, and Angel fans should be okay with whenever that is. Yeah, absolutely. So that's all we got as far as news and tidbits for the week. I don't know if you got anything else, Daniel, written down there. No, I mean, kind of like what we were saying, Upton is hot, hot this man. hot this week, batting four seventeen, three home runs, and eight RBIs. Um, and and whether we have an interview with um, Taylor Blake Ward or or Gooby, or, or any of these guys, Trent Rush, they've all said the same thing about him. He's a streaky uh, player. And right now he's on one of those streaks where he you don't want to pitch to him because anything he does, he'll, he'll put in the gap and get a double. Um, he'll hit a home run. And, you know, we didn't talk about it, but kind of a sneaky play in that oh, yeah. Monday mm-hmm. opener that went 10 innings with the fact that 
he robbed the home run. He held the uh, – I think it would have been a three-run shot. It would have been a three-run home run, yeah. He held it to uh, one run because of a sack fly. And with and if that doesn't happen, there's a good chance the Padres win in, in regulation because yeah. it doesn't. It, it's it's now a. I would have believed it would have been like a, a five been five a, to three game yeah, at, at like that, that time. So again, you know, his defense is kind of what it is. You take the good with the bad, but if you can contribute offensively like this, you uh, definitely like where it's going. I know this sounds weird, but it's for as streaky as he is, he's pretty consistent because I mean he's batting like two sixty. That's I mean, you t- you'll take that, 260, 270 with 26 home runs and 70, 80 RBIs, and the season's not over yet. So, you know, we're hoping he finishes with 30 and 90. You know, that's a hell of a season. So, um, all right, so moving on from this, you know, uh, last week's Curator Chronicles was uh, subject matter was a former Halo, Rob Quinlan, who held holds the Angels' rookie record for consecutive games hit streak with 21 games. I was able to contact Rob Quinlan. I had an, you know, we we reached out to him. He was a heck of a guy. He was totally up for an interview. So, you know, he he didn't sit down with me, but he took time to call me. This is an over-the-phone interview that we conducted with former Halo Rob Quinlan. So we talked about a bunch of different things. But, again, I want to thank Rob Quinlan for taking the time out of his schedule to talk with us. You know, his name gets mentioned in Angel's Lore with everything that, you know, he did in his rookie season and the contributions he did as a, a quality role player for the Angels for a few years there. So this is an interview that we had with Rob Quinlan, former Angel. So we are here on the All Angels podcast with former Halo Rob Quinlan. Rob, thank you for joining us joining us here on the All Angels podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. No problem. So former Halo, you broke in in 2003. Talk, talk to us real quick about your, your time in the Angels farm system. I know you came up through uh, Minnesota, correct? Yeah, I went to the University of Minnesota, got drafted out of there my senior year, and uh, spent about four years in, in the uh, Angels minor league system. It, uh, this was back in the back in 99 into the early 2000s, but uh, Boise, Idaho, Lake Elsinore, California, Little Rock, Arkansas, Salt Lake City, and then uh, made it up in the Angels. But uh, had a great time coming through the minor league system. Uh, it was a time when I think the Angels had uh, a lot of good draft picks. Uh, every year we were making the playoffs, won some league championships in the minor leagues, and uh, that was kind of about the time when a lot of those guys started. Uh, we all started making it to the big leagues in uh, 2002, 2003, 2004, and then just obviously had a great run with the Angels as well. Of course. So you were you were in the same farm system. Uh, I don't know if you were on the same team with maybe a Frankie Rodriguez. Yep, so uh, in 1999, I was drafted the same year as uh, uh, John Lackey. Uh, we, we played together for for pretty much our first 10 years together professionally. Um, for, uh, Frankie Rodriguez, K-Rod, uh, was signed that year as well. And then uh, Alfredo Amazaga uh, was another player. We traded for, I think, Sean Siggins uh, later that year or maybe the year after. But uh, just a lot of great players. Uh, a lot of great pitchers that, that we I played with in that time frame as well. Uh, Scott Shields, Brendan Donnelly, people are still good friends of mine today. So it was, it was, it was a great experience coming through the minor league. It's, it's always a tough grind, and you're not used to it, but uh, when you're on good teams and good, have, playing with good players and, and winning games, it makes it be a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's a lot of great you know names there, especially like a guy like Scott Shields. What a rubber arm on that guy, right? Yeah, yeah, rubber arm, Scott Shields. That was one of his nicknames. <laughs> this guy seemed to pitch like every single day. It's incredible. Yeah, he obviously had a, a great career and uh, uh, still one of my really good friends to this day and just a great guy all around and a uh, good-hearted person. And, 
you know, obviously a guy that uh, very lucky to play play with, and and uh, just had an unbelievable career. That's awesome. So you broke in in 2003, but you made a name for yourself in 2004. I mean, I mean, the obvious question I'm going to ask you: You had a 21 game hit streak, longest by any Angel in club history rookie. Uh, talk to us about that streak and how things were going for you. How I mean, how would I mean? I I mean, I remember watching this streak, you know, and and just thinking this is incredible. Like, but you, I mean, how were you like day by day? How were things? How were you feeling? Well, obviously, I was feeling pretty good uh, to, to yeah. be able to do that. Um, at, at the time, I was I, I kind of came up as a outfielder first baseman um, in the minor leagues, and and at the time, I actually maybe like a month or so before, I really just started taking ground balls at third base, um, trying to get a chance to get in the game more, have a another option for me to play in the field, and um, it just kind of randomly happened to be that uh, uh, there was a, an injury. And next thing you know, I mean, I really hadn't spent much time at third base at all in my life. And next thing you know, uh, I was starting at third base every day. And uh, so when you first start, you're getting in there, you just want to, you know, concentrate, obviously, on making the plays. Um, you know, I was probably more defensive-minded than anything just because uh, I didn't have much experience over there. But it just seemed like the hits just kind of kept coming. And, and um, you know, the, the, the one funny thing about it is that – or. I wouldn't say a funny thing, but just one thing that constantly was happening is because I hadn't played much third base, uh, you know, late in the game, I was typically getting pulled out of the game. So a lot of those times, uh, I, I was only having three at-bats in a lot of those games and, and getting hits. And uh, But uh, we were winning. We were on a good, good roll. All of a sudden, I'm playing more. Uh, you know, it was a blast. Next you know, I'm hitting, you know, fifth in the lineup. And um, it, it's just fun. I mean, it's fun when, you know, as much as the individual accomplishments are great, it, it's always it's always great when you're playing well. But it was kind of a part of the season where we needed to start winning some, some games and we had some injuries. and So I was just really happy to be a part of it and, and filling in wherever it could be. Yeah, man. I just remember I remember just when you came up, you, you just kind of took, took everything by storm and we were like, man, this Quinlan guy really sure knows what he's doing out there. And, uh, man, you contributed greatly. And in, in that 2004 season, obviously you were a teammate of Vladimir Guerrero uh, with him going into the Hall of Fame this year. Talk a little bit about Vlad since you saw him up close on a day-to-day. Yeah, Vladdy, obviously, I mean, uh, obviously there's a reason why he's a Hall of Famer. Um, just a, a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal player, uh, phenomenal teammate. I mean, I just go on and on about what a great person he was. Um, and everyone knows the stuff that he did on the field. I mean, he was just a great player. But um, behind the scenes, I mean, he used to get free stuff in his locker every day. And he would go around to, to all everyone on the team and, and hand different free things out to people. And, hey, do you, do you play golf at one time? get a brand-new golf golf uh, driver in his locker. And he's like, Q, you play golf here? Do you want this driver? And I'm like, yeah, awesome, thanks. Like, I mean, he just, he just does, like, good stuff like that. He's just an overall good person. And, you know, and like I said, the, the stuff on the field, everyone sees that. But the day-to-day work, um, pregame, every day, he's out there a half hour, you know, before the game, playing long toss, um, talking to the fans, getting ready for the game. I mean, he just was always prepared and uh, – you know, I mean, I guess it helps, too, when you can hit anything thrown up to the plate and, and hit home runs off everything. But um, just overall, those the stories behind the scenes are what really makes him um, such a great guy. Yeah, you know, it always, always seemed to have a smile on his face anytime I saw him on there, which is very reminiscent of, like, a guy, guy in Mike Trout who plays the game right now. Just always really, really – it looks like he really wants to be out there having a good time. And it just – I as a fan myself, and you see that, you almost want to – Make sure that you cheer for this guy even more. Was that was was Vlad's uh, 
you know, happiness or, or eagerness to play the game? Does that rub off on you guys at all? Absolutely. I mean, he's the type of guy, and you're right. I think him and Mike Trout have a lot of um, great comparisons and similarities with each other. And, and as far as the love of the game and having a smile on your face and, and you know, trying to pump up your teammates and, and just have a great a great time out there. And obviously, it's yeah, it's, it's an easier game when you're playing really well and you're that talented. But uh, with the true the true players that are, are really good and and are the ones that are good teammates and and try to pump everyone else up and and, and you know they care more about the success of everybody as a whole rather than themselves. And I've never really played with Mike Trout, but I, that's what I see watching him play and the stories I I hear as well about him. And um, so just uh, yeah, Angel fans are very very fortunate to have uh, you know two 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 Hall of Fame talents that are going to be back to back in their organization. Yeah, we're in the same number, by the way. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if they're gonna, I don't know how they're going to retire that number, but yeah. it should be a good ceremony. Oh, for sure. So moving on to you know you were you were teammates with Vlad, but you were you know you were managed by Mike Sosa, uh, and then with all the recent talk, you know it's the last year of Mike Sosa's contract. He may be moving on. Nineteen years as an Angels manager. Talk to us about Mike and and maybe the impact that he has on the he's had on the Angels organization or on yourself as a player. Well, obviously, to manage 19 years, you got to be doing a lot of things right. And uh, Mike is probably one of the uh, smarter baseball-minded people I've ever been around. Uh, he's done a phenomenal job. Um, I know the last few years it's been a little bit tougher, maybe with not making the playoffs. And But a lot of it comes down to, <clears throat> I always say, a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, a lot of people might not know, but Social is actually a super funny guy. Spring training, he's always pulling pranks in the morning. But when it's game time and he's on the field, I mean, he doesn't sit, sit around with the, the major leaguers on, on the main field, you know, sitting around just talking with them. He's down on the lower fields where the guys are in double-A AA and triple-A, and he's hitting them ground balls and, and making these guys work to be better so that they can be major leaguers. And uh, he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes to to, to make people better players, better people. Um, I mean, he'll talk to you about – what you're doing with your financing and, and different things like that. And it just shows he really cares. And I know lately it's, it's maybe people have been on him a little bit, but it comes down to this. you got to have some players, and I'm not saying there's not a lot of great players out there. Um, there's just maybe a lot of really good other teams right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, you need players to play. And, and the coaches, don't get me wrong, they've had, I've been very fortunate to, to play with a lot of great coaches. When I came up, you had Mike Sosha. Joe Madden was the bench coach. Bud Black was a pitching coach. Ron Radicke was the third base coach. I mean, there's a reason why those three other guys besides Soch were major league managers because they watch Soch every day. They learned from him. They worked hard like he did. So um, at the end of the day, however it ends up with Mike Socha, um, I think at, uh, at the end of it, I, I'm just very happy that I got to play for him. Obviously, obviously it comes down to everyone always wants to play as much as they can, and, and maybe I didn't, but uh, – it, it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. He's a great coach. He's a great guy, and and um, I'm just very happy to be a part of that Angels organization. And I mean, the teams we had when I was there, we went to the playoffs. I think seven out of nine years, and I mean, we just had great runs. So it was a combination of coaching and talent on the field, and it was just a great run for the Angels then. Yeah, it seemed like those years where you were on the team, you had a lot of you had a lot of stars mixed in with a lot of quality role players. You know, like yourself and guys like you know. I remember, I remember guys getting called up and making impacts like uh, Riggs and and guys like that. You know, I think it, it all has to come together as a team. And uh, 
think right now the Angels are kind of like finding that in between right now, whether, you know, which way they're going to go. And I think baseball's changed too because I remember the Angels' philosophy back then when you were playing was maybe taking the extra base, maybe bunning a guy over going first to third. Have you noticed the change in baseball where, to me, I, I hardly ever see sacrifice butt nowadays. Yeah, I think the sacrifice sponge is a thing that's, that's definitely kind of gone away through all the baseball. But, um, you know, the taking the extra base and little things like that, that all that requires is hustle. I mean, that should be a, a given on a day-to-day basis that you should be always trying to get to the next base. Um, so, yeah, the game has definitely changed a little bit. But, uh, um, like I said, you still you still got to get out there and play. You still got to play as a team. And, and I don't know how the unit is right now, if, if, if there's issues of, amongst anything. But, um, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I watch the last box scores every day. I want the Angels to win. I want them to do well. Um, you know, not that I have a lot of connections back out there anymore, but, uh, you know, once an Angel, I'm always going to be an Angel. I'm always going to cheer for them. So uh, I hope that they definitely can turn things around. That's awesome, yeah. So, you know, on our podcast, we have a lot of email uh, people email us. and they, we, we always kind of ask, like, hey, who do you guys want to us to interview or whatever, and your name was mentioned. And when we oh, always nice. – yeah, and when we when we uh, interview players or, or, or guys who, you know, we interviewed Nick Tropiano, we've interviewed Moda, Jose Moda, Rob Quinlan, or, you know, I'm sorry, I, we're interviewing you, Rob Quinlan, now. We want we don't get too personal, but we'd like to ask a couple of little personal questions here, yes, this or that. So I'm going to ask you a few if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Cool. So, basically, yes or no, or one or the other, but pizza, are you a pizza or a burger kind of guy? Uh, pizza guy. Is there a specific pizza place or pizza in general? Um, you know, there's a – and if you're looking at the big chains, uh, kind of more of a uh, Papa John's type of, type of pizza, but uh, um, there's actually a place in Minnesota, Broadway Pizza here, that uh, um, I'll stop into every now and then. It's got some good pizza. Right. See, we had a – I think, I believe it was Dubizar. Was it Mark Dubizar? He told us a pizza place out there in Kansas City that he liked and uh, – are you are you are you like more of the thin crust or the uh, the kind of Chicago thick crust pizza? Definitely more a thin crust pizza guy. Okay. Yeah, you try to yeah. try to stay away from as much crust as possible. Gotcha. Uh, a good book or TV slash Netflix? Oh, on Netflix? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I don't. You know what? I'll be honest. I don't watch a ton of Netflix. Um, I wish I had. Uh, um, some better stuff to say. Typically, no, what no. I'll watch a lot of time is uh, uh, kind of a show I like to watch is, is they show, uh, it's not like a Netflix original, but uh, they have a lot of time it's on there, like the Dateline NBC shows okay. um, and the kind of shows like that. I kind of like to watch kind of mystery shows and and uh, stuff like that. It's what I like to watch a lot. Right. So you're Minnesota guy, right? You're yep. from there originally, correct? Yep, yep. Okay, so are you a hockey guy? Absolutely, yeah. I don't think uh, I don't think you can grow up in Minnesota and not be a hockey guy. I mean, it's it's uh, it's pretty crazy. I played high school hockey, or uh, played hockey all the way through high school. Um, but yeah, definitely a hockey guy. Love going to watch the Minnesota Wild play here. And uh, I'm not much of a, a cold fan anymore. I can tell you that. I'm kind of getting sick of the cold weather in, in Minnesota here in the winter. But uh, uh, the summers, the spring. Summers and fall are just absolutely beautiful up here. But, uh, yeah, I think definitely a, definitely a hockey guy, and I think everyone is. Awesome. Now, a little follow-up question to you, Dean, from Minnesota. How how does how does one play baseball year-round over there? Because here in California, you know, uh, I have my son 13 years old, and he's in a travel ball team. It seems like he, he works 
the season ever ends here. In Minnesota, do you guys, how does that work over there? So, obviously, when you're younger, obviously, you're not playing year-round. Um, they do have a lot of indoor facilities here. Um, you know, like when I went to the University of Minnesota, you have an indoor baseball facility um, that, that you use all winter long. Um, a lot of times high school, a lot of times there's a lot of, like, um, they're called, like, there's, like, these huge bubbles. They're about the size of a football field, and you can work out inside there. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different options out here. But, yeah, as far as actually being outside, yeah, I mean, you can go outside and try to hit, but it might be a little cold. Might yeah. be snowflakes flying on you, but uh, but uh, there's definitely things you can do. But uh, um, it's uh, it is a little a little tougher out here, and that's why you know it's you got probably a lot more better baseball players in the south and, and you know out west and everything than you do here. But on the flip side, obviously we have a lot more better hockey players. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, so last thing, won't keep you too long. You've been plenty generous with your time. What are you up to these days? Now that you're you know you wrapped up your baseball career, what 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 do you do now? Yeah, so I'm actually the uh, for uh, I work for a, a national French franchise called the Joint Chiropractic. Um, you guys have locations out there in California. So I'm the regional developer for the state of Minnesota. I uh, own operate five locations, um, oversee nine total here in the Twin Cities, and then um, I actually recently uh, am part of a group uh, development group here that purchased a Northwoods League College Summer Baseball League here in the Midwest, and uh, we're planning on opening a team here next summer um, in Hudson, Wisconsin, just just across the border here in Minnesota. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, you continue to work uh, with, you know, the youth maybe uh, baseball-wise? Do you coach at all? Yeah, you know what? I don't coach anymore. When I was done playing, I coached two years at the University of Minnesota, um, kind of transferred out of that, but... Uh, uh, with the baseball team alone, it'll be college summer summer league. There'll be college okay. kids coming here to play for the summer. There's a huge league through the Midwest called the Northwoods League. That um, there's 20 teams in the league, and you just get Division One players from all over the U.S. that come here and play for for two and a half months. Awesome. That sounds that sounds awesome. So, well, that's we're gonna wrap it up. We really do appreciate your time, Rob, for jumping on here with on the podcast for us. The fans, you were one of the people that they mentioned, so we wanted to see if we can get you on and. I mean, really, thank you for jumping on the show with us. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks a lot for having me. And, yeah, and uh, thanks to all the fans back there. And um, sometimes it's nice to get a call and people actually want to talk to you about baseball. So uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Really appreciate your time. You have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. We're the punks, 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 we're the punks. 
This is Hood Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. What is up? We are back. We want to thank Rob Quinlan for taking the time out of his schedule to interact with us and, and conduct that interview. It was more than, uh, yeah, more than uh, just a great, great interview, man. He's, it's cool to hear the uh, stories with Vladimir Guerrero and him coming up to the farm system with guys like John Lackey, Francisco Rodriguez, and Scott Shields. So thank you again, Mr. Quinlan. We appreciate your time. We'd love to have you back on the show uh, sometime again. Uh, Moving forward from that, also, we just want to thank our sponsors, www.epicradiotv.com and www.groomgoon.com. And on Instagram, go ahead and check out The Alley Cat SoCal. It's The Alley Cat SoCal on Instagram. They have a line of clothing, uh, Slick Cat Pomade. Go ahead and check them out at The Alley Cat SoCal on Instagram. Moving on now on our show, our segment that we always do. It's about that time. It's a poll question. Daniel? This is Joe yeah um every week i do a poll question on our twitter feed uh halo underscore haven uh on twitter and then we're on also on instagram and on instagram i'll post when the poll question's up um but this week was simple kind of we touched on it earlier um what would you like the angels to do for the rest of the season um two options you know stay compete and realistically probably stay around that 500 mark maybe a couple games up maybe a couple games down or would you like them to not necessarily tank, but maybe get some younger players in, lose a couple games, and get a higher draft pick. So the um, results were stay and try to get around 500 was at 62%. Um, lose to get a higher draft pick was at 38%. Where did you vote for that poll? Uh, this was a tough one for me to kind of, you know, I don't want to see them tank completely, but just stay competitive. I wanted them to stay competitive and just kind of, you know, stay in games and get the young guys out there. But if they lose, they lose, and we get a higher draft pick, we get a higher draft pick. It's one of those, I feel like it's win-win in either way because I'm realistic enough to know that we're probably not going to make the playoffs. So to kind of, you know, like we were talking about Berea pitching and not having to have to pitch him so much now because of, of you know, where we are in the standings, I'm okay with us bringing in these young guys and whatever happens, happens. So I'm, I'm with them staying competitive. Yeah, I, I, and again, when we say lose, we're not saying lose on purpose and go out there and not do anything, but um, give these younger guys an opportunity. These these the Wards, the uh, Fletchers, you know, if maybe they call up a couple guys when the and when the uh, rosters expand in September, um, give them a shot, and then you know maybe that means realistically you're not looking to win, but at the same time you're getting these guys experience, and then as a benefit, um, maybe you get inside that top ten for a draft pick. But that's the way I went because. Um, I honestly think if you're not seriously competing for a playoff spot or even a World Series spot, that um, the best thing you can do for the team, you know, short term, long term, is um, stock up that farm system. Because, uh, like our like um, Taylor Ward said last last week, the best thing you can do now with some of these prospects is, is flip them and, and trade them, and maybe um, you know maybe you get a high end player and you package a couple of them together and you get a high end player. Um, whether it be a pitcher that the Angels need or, or um, a second, third baseman, depending on um, need. Yeah, we have uh, an email question that we'll get to in a, in a little bit. Pertaining to selling now and, and flipping guys. And uh, we'll talk about that in a second here as we move on to uh, our email questions. 
just a little bit later as we finish up the show. Um, all right. It's about that time now for our segment of the show that a lot of people, you know, kind of look forward to. I guess, you know, it's one of those it's kind of caught fire. It's one of those segments where, you know, it last week it kind of played in well because our 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 topic last week on this edition of uh, of this segment of the show was uh, Rob Quinlan. And uh, we were able to bring in Rob Quinlan in, on an interview and it, it just it, it played perfectly into uh, this segment of the show. So it's about that time. It's everyone's favorite uh, favorite time of the ah, yeah, favorite time of the sh- uh, show. It is a curator's chronicle. I was uh, looking for some intro music there. I don't know what happened. Um, I expect that next time. So if we can get on that. Some old-timey baseball or something like that. But this is another edition of the Curator's Chronicles. Um, I was trying my best to kind of... Yeah. Like John said, last week's uh, lined up perfectly with our special guest this week, Rob Quinlan, on his 21-game hit streak as a rookie did in that day. Uh, This week's Angels Chronicles kind of goes along the same lines of the same type of player that Rob Quinlan was. Another kind of role player, but almost became... Um, he came part of that Angels uh, lore. It's always a fan favorite when you say his name. Uh, you get a lot of reaction out there. So uh, again, this is uh, this fact comes out from a book called The Angels Journal by John Snyder, and this is this happened on August sixteenth, and it's very simple. But we'll talk a little bit more about it. The Angels purchase David Eckstein from the Red Sox organization. That's it. No play was made. But it was a big thing. And uh, let's just read what happens in David Eckstein's career. Eckstein was the second baseman as a minor leaguer in the Red Sox system. He's purchased by the Angels with the idea that he might be a useful utility infielder. A 26-year-old rookie in 2001, he won the Angels' starting shortstop job and exceeded all expectations. Generously listed at five foot eight. That was generous. Oh, very. <laughs> and with a few appreciable baseball skills, Eckstein became a fan favorite with his heart and determination and was a key contributor to the 2002 World Series championship team. And my question for you, um, John, is and John and Daniel, do the Angels win the 2002 World Series or even get there if Eckstein is not on that team? Ooh. That's a tough question because he was a guy at the top of the lineup. He was the uh, he got on base a lot, scored a lot of runs, made a lot of hustle plays, did a lot of first to third. He did a lot of sacrifice bunts, moving a guy over, kind of just kind of like the spark plug is what they call him, the X factor. And uh, I would like to say that they would, but in realistically speaking, if you look back, and I'm, I'm not looking at numbers, and so I don't know, but I'm sure he scored a lot of runs, and a lot of those runs don't get scored if it's not him at the top of the lineup. So. But a lot can be said for a lot of guys on that team, too. Do the Angels win a championship without a utility guy like Benji Gill on that team? Do the Angels win a World Series with a guy like, without a guy like Brad Fulmer or John Lackey who came up in September? You know what I mean? But not to take anything away from X-Line, but I don't think maybe, I think you're right. I don't think they win without X-Line. Yeah, one thing that, you know, always stands out from that year is how, I mean, obviously his stature and everything, but he hit back. I was at both he those games. Three Grand Slams that year, mm-hmm. led the major leagues in back-to-back back games. Back-to-back 
games with a grand slam. And was, how often do you see that? I was at both those games. Uh, it was against the Blue Jays. Uh, one of them was like I think a, like a 16 inning game, and he had a home run. We started up. We we started in the nosebleeds and finished that game off like uh, right behind the Angels dugout. And then the next night, I think he had another one. Yeah, it's a walk off. Walk off. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. And I, I mean, do we see another player like David Eckstein? Will we say a David Fletcher is kind of an Eckstein like esque type of player? Or? I don't think so. I think Eckstein in this day of age of baseball, I don't think an Eckstein. There's a room for an Eckstein anymore. Like that style of play is just gone. You don't ever see the bunt anymore. I talked. Do you uh, think uh, sabermetrics kind of killed that? A little bit. Kind of I think so. The whole. Uh, uh, launch angle and all that crap. You know, I'm not a big fan of it, but yeah, I think I think it killed, not killed the the the, the gameplay, but I think it kind of went away from moving guys, uh, bunning guys over. You don't give an out away anymore. You well, let a guy swing away now. Part of, I think part of that, and probably maybe most of it, is the guys in the bullpen now. It's so hard to match up wise. Not match up, but now everyone and we talked about this, you know, off the pod and and just talking, but. Every guy in the bullpen now is throwing 90-something miles an hour, 94, 95 miles an hour. So how hard is it now for a guy or for a team, sorry, to put three hits together to, to get a guy around? Now yeah. it, it's mostly um, you got to hit a home run because the reality of you getting two or three hits back-to-back-to-back to back to back against a really good guy that's throwing as hard as he can for that one inning um, is really hard. You don't see guys that are going three, four innings out of the bullpen anymore because Sabermetrics has found out, like, hey, if you give me your all for that one inning, we'll figure out the rest. But if you give me your all, there's a good chance that, yeah, maybe they'll get one hit. Uh, but the fact that they might not get maybe three singles and not get an extra base hit. So right. I think that has a lot to do with it, too, is the fact that the bullpens now are so specialized that it's it's so super hard to get – two or three hits back to back to back that yeah he can get on and bunt him over but then like you said you wasting out and then yeah. what, what's the likelihood of the next two the guys next, guy getting next two guys, guys yeah. one of the next two guys getting a hit it, it's it's gone down over the years and i think that's why it's harder to find a um Eckstein slash fletcher type that's going to be a starter like i think yeah, you can still, starter. Yeah, i, no, I think no. you still find him on the bench and, and be a utility guy and come in for a spark here and there but yeah. as far as a long um Longevity. I'm not sure how much that has. Wrestling term coming here. I'm going to catch heat for this, but I I like Fletcher, but I don't see him being. If we're going to be a serious contender, I don't see a guy like Fletcher being a uh, a contributor as far as like an everyday starting player for the Angels. Um, if uh, you left it up to the Angels right now, and it was Fletcher and Cozart, and the Cozart was healthy, Cozart's starting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just plain and simple. Cozart's going to be the guy. So, but a good utility guy to have. I will say this about Eckstein. He opened up the doors for a lot of short players. You know, a guy like Altuve. You look at him now. I mean, he's a superstar. Altuve, even you Betts. Betts. Yeah, Mookie Betts. You know? um, and then also, I mean, looking back in Angels history, Albie Pearson, probably even shorter than yeah, Eckstein. Yeah. Um, one thing, John, you're going to appreciate this, uh, being the wrestling fan you are. David Eckstein's a huge wrestling fan. He made a public appearance yeah. with Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, which means nothing to me. Probably TNA, you know what that they're is. They're out of business right? now. Yeah. Um, during before the 2006 World Series, Eckstein received two votes for the Hall of Fame. All right, right on. And two-time World Series champion. Yeah, well, half and the Angels, so. half the 2002 Angels were on that St. St. Louis Cardinals team that won the World Series. Pretty much. Right. It was uh, Eckstein, Kennedy, Edmonds. Spezio, Edmonds. Yeah. Yeah. Fun I think, fact. Yeah, crazy. Nice. So, all right. Well, th- that's going to do it for this edition. No poppycock here. <laughs> that's going to do it for this edition of the Curator's Chronicles.
Ah, uh, that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> All right, moving on from Curators Chronicles, we got a few emails uh, this week, and you know we were we kind of briefly touched on it, so we we can finally get into it here. Our first uh, podcast um, question comes from, to us from Zach F. He says, "Halo Haven crew, what are realistic expectations for Ward this season? Can he realistically win a starting job if he really plays well?" You guys heard my I just answered it right now in, in the Curators Chronicles. What do you think, Daniel? I think it depends on who else you have playing third base. Um, Ward, I think, is going to be an okay player. Um, short term, as far as for the rest of this year, I think he'll put up decent numbers. I mean, no pitchers have a book out on him yet, so you'll see him probably get on a little hot streak. Just because pitchers don't know how to pitch to him yet, and and then you see once they do, um, players struggle, and then the good ones figure a way to come back from it. So um, beginning of this this time in the majors, I'm sure he'll be okay. Um, as far as competing for uh, a starting spot long term, um, personally, I would like him to kind of be one. We talked about it earlier, a trade trade, trade chip and something they might do in the offseason. Um, you have Kozart coming off the DL. Um, you can make a, you know make another trade maybe for a second or third baseman, and the Kozart just fills in the gap where you don't need. Um, but Ward, he has a, he has a good bat. In this day and age of power, he's more like a, a, a on-base guy, so I'm not sure how that's going to affect him. But um, can he be a starter? Yeah. Is he going to be a guy that at the end of his career is a 10-, 12-time all-star? I don't think so. I mean, I can see him making you know a couple here and there. But um, you know, a good piece, not going to be a um, major piece, I guess. No. Kind of like uh, if you use the basketball terms, he's going to be a role player. He could be a good role player. Yeah. He's never going to be the guy on the team, but he can be a, definitely a good role player and on, there, on a good team. And there's nothing wrong with that um, at all. So I'm going to jump ahead on the emails, and we'll get back to the other one. So I'm jumping ahead to Duncan Healy's email. And Duncan, you know, he tweeted us. You know, we mentioned his tweet earlier in the show. He said, hey there, guys. Always love the show. Uh, with Ward coming up, did the Angels just take a gamble on calling him up and hoping he produces? I liked the idea brought up by Tater Blake Ward in your interview about maybe selling high on him now before he has a chance to, I hate to say it, fail at the major league level. What are your guys' thoughts? Daniel, you want to touch on that one? Because I know that's well, something that kind of we, we were like, ooh, yeah. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, like, kind of like what we said, and I've had discussion with people about, oh, well, you need to build a team from within. And you're right. You, you have to build, I think, a, a serious contender from teams within. But any team from within – also get these guys that they use at the trade deadline to get, you know, big players or, or in offseason to get big players from that. But, I mean, if you look at, even right now, if you look at the top 10 prospects on the Angels um, farm system, the likelihood of all 10 of them playing, you know, all 10 of them will probably play in the majors. All 10 of them playing with the Angels are very slim. Someone's going to be a mover. Someone's going to go for to a different team and they're going to bring something back. Um, so, again, if Ward's one of those guys and they can get – a starting pitcher, like we said before, um, maybe like a Sonny Gray who's really struggling in New York. But if you look at his splits, um, he has like a seven and a half ERA when he plays in New York. But when he's on the road, it's like a three point two ERA. So obviously, he's not liking the 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 big city. So if we can get him, bring him back to California where he dominated as an A's pitcher, maybe this is a little more familiar territory, and he could be a guy that um, can help the Angels get more depth into the. Um, into the bullpen or yeah. in a bullpen, the starting rotation. But again, you look at like we, 
the prospects, not all of these guys are going to come up with the Angels or are going to play with the Angels. It's just not likely to happen. I mean, you have like six outfielders on the top ten list, it seems like, and not all of them are going to be playing, especially if they um, are serious about um, re-signing Trout, which obviously they are. Right. So, um, you know, people like uh, Dice might be on the move. Ward, guys that are kind of on the border um, – might be on the move when it comes in this offseason to maybe get some more help for the Angels in the bullpen or in the starting rotation. Yeah, to help the pitching staff, you know. Like you mentioned Sonny Gray. I mentioned podcasts before, a guy like Jaime Garcia, a guy like Yolani Gallardo, guys who are proven guys who maybe aren't having the best of seasons, but it might change the scenery. It might be something that they need. Like uh, these guys are proven, and they're still quality guys. And to be able to trade a guy like a Ward or a Thais or – somebody like that and you're not trading away a guy like Adele or Jones or, or Marsh. Um, that's exactly what you build a farm system for. Uh, moving to the next question. It just comes to us from Derek trainer and it's, it pertain- he, he mentions the farm system here. He says, what's up guys. Great show last week. I love hearing that the farm system is loaded with talent. That's something we didn't hear from us in what seems to be years. And you're right. It was years. My question, however, pertains to right now, as of right now, is there a pitcher on our staff who is close to double digits and W's? That's definitely a recipe for disaster. It's no wonder we are barely hanging in there. I didn't get a chance to look at the numbers. I don't know if you did. Yeah, I mean, um, Berea and Skaggs both have eight have eight wins to, um, com, uh, total between the – not total, but they both have eight, eight wins. wins. Um, Andrew Haney has seven wins. Um, Honestly, uh, Jaime Barea should get 10 wins by the end of the year. Easy. Skaggs, I'm not too sure just because you're not sure yeah, when he's going to come he's back from the injury. injury. And Haney, I can say an outside shot of him getting 10 wins by the end of the year. Just um, He's been really up and down. So if, if he puts three games together that are really good. Um, but again, too, you, you saw when he pitched on Monday in um, – Versus San Diego, he did really. He went seven in the third inning, like we said earlier, and doesn't get to no decision. No decision. So um, wins. I don't know how you feel about it. I kind of feel like it's an outdated stat for pitchers. I think you want to look more at the quality win stat than the wins because, like, like, like with Haney, um, he probably have ten wins. He could probably have, um, you know, probably twelve if you look at his starts and how many starts did he go. Uh, seven innings, give up three runs, but yet the Angels lose um, three to two, or yeah. maybe he, he, or maybe he leaves leaves the the game tied uh, at a two two tie and gets a no decision. So um, wins are, are great and all, but I, I, as far as starting pitchers, um, you look at quality starts and all that stuff. I think is, is a better um, scale to see how their season's going. Yeah, I agree with you on the the wins being kind of a little bit overrated. I see it as more. Uh, if a guy can give you six solid innings and keep you within a run or two, uh, that's more important to me. Being able to pitch quality starts uh, every time they go out there, giving you innings, you know, go go seven innings, six innings every game. That to me, I think innings pitched to me is probably more of a bigger, more impressive stat than wins. That's just me. So last question, it comes from Lauren Codd. He says, she says, hi, guys. I see through your Instagram page that you guys are collectors. What piece of Angels memorabilia is your favorite that you have come up on? And what piece of memorabilia holds the most sentimental value? I'll let Chris answer this one first since he is a curator. Curator, go ahead. Thank you, Lauren, for that amazing question. There's uh, there's a reason why I am called the curator. It's a name that was given to me by John at a 66ers game last year. But I have taken on that name, and I appreciate it, and I, yeah, I have kind of owned welcome. that name. Um, but kind of the essence of 
Halo Haven, the fan cave is kind of just housing, you know, pieces of Angel's memorabilia history and things that we've kind of come across through estate sales, uh, yard sales, any type of sale, thrift shops, and most importantly, swap meets. So I guess my, it's always, it's always great finding something out in, out in the wild, I guess, for lack of better words, not something on eBay when you actually dig in through a box and you, and you find something, there's nothing more rewarding. Yeah, so um, something that I, I cherish that I found probably be uh, Brian Downing um, game use bat that I found out there on the the oily pavement of the Rubido swap meet. Uh, um, Brian Downing was a big um, I was a big uh, fan of his growing up, so that was kind of cool. Um, found some game use jerseys. Found a Romine game use jersey that was his rookie jersey. That was kind of cool. Um, some things that I've purchased through, you know, online uh, sales on uh, Goodwill actually has kind of an eBay type of web uh, website where you can go on and find stuff. Um, I got a 1961 Angels signed team ball, like with every player on it, all the, you know, all the all the old guys on there, Albie Pearson, and I think uh, there's like uh, Leon Wagner, Fergosi, all those guys, Gerba, um, a team signed ball, and it belonged to Tom Morgan, who was actually a player on the team, and it later became like a, a pitching coach. Um, so it belonged out of his estate. So that was cool. I have that on display. Um, and also I have a Gene Autry... A uh, signed letter that he wrote back to some country musicians that he they invited him to like their their induction to some type of hall of fame. Uh, he he respectfully declined, but I have a signature on that. But when it comes to something that holds sentimental value, I think we uh, talked about this before. Uh, but one of the things that I first added to the collection that I that I was able to procure was uh, my mom's bobblehead that she got at a game back in 1967. She actually wrote 1967 underneath, and it's in a really cool case, along with a Disneyland ticket from 1960-something in that era. So I know, John, you're not a fan of Disney, but I think you'd still respect that. So those are are the things that I kind of hold tightly a little bit more than others, um, just because they have a little bit more sentimental value. Right, Lauren. If um, if you will, uh, go ahead and check our uh, check out our show. It's archived on on uh, iTunes or uh, I'm not sure how Google Play works, but I know on iTunes our shows are archived, so you can go back. Um, there is an interview. There's a show that we did with Tom Duino that uh, we conducted at the beginning of this off season or the beginning before the season started this year. And uh, Tom Duino is the foremost collector of angels memorabilia and uh some of the stuff that we got into with him uh was crazy mind-boggling stuff if you're a collector you definitely respect uh tom duino um for me i'll answer this because i i am a mini curator i have i don't have this in my house but i have boxes and boxes of stuff that you know should be displayed um i've never really come up on anything um angels related everything i have has came from somebody else or it was my dad's my dad's a huge uh baseball fan uh my dad's like 74 years old so he was living out here before there was a major league baseball team on the west coast but he was a pcl angels fan and he would go to the games the pcl angels the hollywood stars he tells me all these stories anyway my dad has my dad has always been a guy who took care of stuff always kind of kept stuff you know saved 
So my dad uh, instilled in me to save programs. So I'm a Halo magazine collector, and I have a lot of them. But uh, my favorite uh, thing that I have in the whole sentimental, sentimental value is because it is my dad's. It's a PCL Angels program from like 1956 or something like that. I have it at home. It's in. Uh, I have it like in a uh, shadow box case. Um, hardly ever bring it out. I have it saved. I should display it somewhere one day. One day when I get my own Halo Haven place, uh, I'll, I'll I'll display it. But that's my most like sentimental possession. And the coolest thing that I have that I've actually donated to Halo Haven is a Halo Haven Heavenly Halo. Um, it's like a little like noisemaker. And apparently, I had no idea. Chris is the one. I have two of these at home. Chris was like, oh, my God, that thing is, like, really hard to find. You have one? And I'm like, yeah, and I donated it to Halo Haven. So it's on display here at Halo Haven. So that's probably, like, the, the coolest thing that I think I've, I have in my collection because it's so, I guess, rare. And I had no idea that it was that rare. So that's probably the coolest thing I have. And that is the Heavenly Halo. It's, like, 30 years old, 30-something years old. So... And it still works. Well. And it still works, yeah. Hopefully it doesn't break or, or crack the next time we spin it. But um, it's really cool. It's just like a yellow circle with a stick that spins. It's a heavenly halo. And so, anyway, that's that's it for me, man. But I don't know. Is that going to wrap it up for us? You got yeah. anything for us there, Daniel? Um, just one, touch on? one more thing. Uh, Derek Trainer, I looked it up on how we were talking about um, quality starts. Andrew Haney does have 14 quality starts tied for 20th in Major League Baseball. So, again, not terrible. Um, probably should have more wins than the than the seven he has already. But, again, that's just something uh, I personally, I know a lot of guys look into um, when it comes to if you want to look how good a season's going for a certain uh, starting pitcher. But yeah, yeah Heaney's problem is just can't win on the road, man. Yeah, just for the longest runs, time. Man. It's crazy. Yeah. But, but uh, uh, that's going to wrap it up uh, for us, I guess, right? If you want to, again, if you want to reach out to us on the email side, it's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Um, comments, questions, anything you got, send it our way. We'll make sure we read it out on the next podcast. Um, uh, reach out to us also on Twitter and on Instagram, Halo underscore Haven on both sites. Um, check out our Instagram page. has a lot of cool things on there. Um, kind of like uh, Lauren was saying, if you go through the um, past posts, you'll see a lot of old um, stuff that, that Chris has found through, you know, however means necessary, whether it's swap meets, whether it's eBay or something like that. Um, he posts a lot of cool stuff on there. So definitely check it out. Um, Twitter, you know, uh, one of us is usually always on there tweeting about um, maybe the game that night or something that happened, whether it's player movement or whatnot. But um, definitely check those things out. Again, it's uh, Instagram and Twitter, Halo underscore Haven. And then if you want to get an uh, email to us, allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, that's going to wrap it up uh, here from Halo Haven Studios of Riverside, California. For Chris Security Johnson, I'm Johnny Maggs. I'm Dan Garcia. And this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.